RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Elvira Demise was last on RCR talking about her submission against the GMO regulations in New Zealand or more relaxed GMO regulations in New Zealand. And uh, she is a former genetic engineering scientist. And she's coming on RCR today to talk bananas. We're going bananas. <laughs> Elvira, great to have you back. Thank you. It's lovely to be back. Okay, so I think we found out from Hugh Rose, who uh, whose name I'm sure you've heard before. Yes. Um, a few months ago now that, it, number one, it was entirely possible to grow bananas in New Zealand. And I think he said that we could we could look after ourselves regards bananas if we grew them here. Absolutely. So, so okay. So, yeah. So with that knowledge um, and the Cavendish banana, I think is the one that everybody is familiar with, whether they know that's the name of them or not, that is imported. Uh, I believe it goes through some sort of fumigation process, et cetera, et cetera. So now we move to um, the Food Standards Australia and New Zealand assessing uh, this application from Queensland University of Technology to do what with bananas? Um, they have taken a gene out of a wild banana, closely related, but a different species and a different subspecies. And this gene um, provides resistance to what's called fusarium wilt. Fusarium is a fungus that can cause plants to wilt, but it can affect lots and lots and lots of different plants. And they've put that gene along with another antibiotic resistant gene, which is a problem. Is that a banana gene, though? Or is it no, that, it is not a banana gene. It is a gene that they got out of E. coli. And not even what? out of e, yeah, not even out of E. coli, out of a transposon of E. coli. And a transposon is another extra bit of DNA that kind of like a plasmid, you know, all this talk about the plasmids in the vaccine. Now you've possibly heard about that too. Yeah. A little, a little piece of extra correct, whoopsie, a little piece of extracurricular um, DNA that um, has ended up in the E. coli. So they've taken that antibiotic resistance and put it in the banana as well. Oh, so antibiotic resistance E. coli, is that human generated in the E. coli? Um, antibiotic resistance because we've been hitting things so hard with antibiotics. Just curious. Uh, what they've taken is, is the gene for antibiotic resistance. I don't know if they've taken out of human E. coli or just E. coli. That right. Uh, okay. I don't know which strain. Sorry. Um, That's okay. Yeah. Um, and they've put that in as what they call a marker gene. And they put that in what's called an expression cassette, which has your promoter that turns on the gene it has yep. your your gene from the wild banana and then it has a marker gene which means that you can select for genetically engineered cells because you plate them on your petri dish with the antibiotic and only the ones that have been genetically engineered will grow because uh, they've got, got that yep. they've got that antibiotic resistance gene yep. in them and so they'll they'll just um, grow on the antibiotic medium, and then you've got a, what's called a termination signal, which turns off the gene. But the, here is the crux of it, well, one of the many cracks of it. On the antibiotic resistance gene, they've got a special type of promoter 
called a constitutive promoter. Now that promoter goes 24 seven, it goes all the time. So basically your antibiotic resistance has been expressed all the time. In other words, the antibiotic resistance is never turned off. So one of the problems associated with this banana immediately would be, well, hang on, we're gonna eat this banana and it's gonna go into our gut. And there are the E. coli cells in our gut. Here is this little piece of DNA that's got antibiotic resistance on it. That can be passed by what's called horizontal gene transfer into your E. coli, and you could have antibiotic resistance forever in your gut, having oh, eaten these bananas. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <potentially>. Okay. <laughs> that's not ideal. It's not ideal. <laughs> and, you know, they, they. I don't know what they're thinking when they do this. So what's you know, the point of having that antibiotic resistant gene, is it, or piece of DNA gene, or whatever? Yeah. Uh, what's, the, what's the problem for, why do they need it in the banana? But it's just laziness because it's always been a way to select out your genetically engineered cells and then you regenerate from those genetically engineered cells, you regenerate your plants. The way you can select them out is you put them on um, the petri dishes with a medium with the antibiotic in them, yeah. and then only the GE. So it's a medium for selection. Yes, it's, exactly. It's got nothing to do with the, with the E. coli. That's just a medium to allow these specific genes to to be gathered together and a medium to show that you've got GE plants as opposed to non-GE plants, GE cells and yeah. GE clumps of cells. They grow up from clumps of cells, yeah. Right, okay. I, I think I got you. Okay, but there's a, possibly a quite a bad unintended consequence potentially there. Well... If you've got yeah. E. coli bacteria or, or um, antibiotic-resistant E. coli in your gut, where does that get you? Where does in, it your, you? in your gut. So for a start, it's in your gut, and then it gets into uh, the sewage system, and then it gets into the waterways. Oh, right. And should you um, throw out bananas or throw out the peel, I mean, bananas go black really quickly, so a lot of bananas are thrown out, then they could go into the waste stream, they could go into the compost, they could go into your, your compost bin, your soil, and then they, that antibiotic resistance could be passed on to microbes in the compost, microbes in the soil. Earthworms would be eating them. Um, any microbes, any soil organisms could potentially take them up and it could be transferred to them. And runoff, water runoff, groundwater could get this um, antibiotic resistance stuff into it. And it could go into your waterways and it would go eventually end so up. So it gets it could get everywhere in the end. <laughs> potentially, you have to consider that something that can be dismissed as, oh, that's not a problem by the people doing this work is often a problem and is often a, a bigger scale problem than they ever imagined. Often it's like they, they don't think it's a problem, therefore it's not. That's well, why would you not think it's a problem? I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm not very bright, and I'm already thinking it's obvious this could be a problem. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I wouldn't say that you weren't very bright. Well, on, the, on these matters, on these well, matters. Well, you know, you, you've seen right through it straight away. And I mean, what they often, they don't even really address it in the application as far as I can see. It's just normal procedure. It's what they always do. And they just, this is really, I've looked at um, the methodology. I looked at the vector, which is, you know, how they get, this DNA into the bananas in the first instance, the construction of it, 
And it's really old stuff. It's 1980s, 1990s stuff. And they keep saying, you know, we keep hearing trotted out, oh, we're not using that old GE technology anymore. That's, you know, history, that's past. This is very old GE technology. Um, and it's just really standard for the 80s and 90s. That's what, what everyone was using. So, so they even kind of, well, kid themselves that they're, sort of state-of-the-art when actually, no, no, you're not. <laughs> well, they're not state-of-the-art. And I don't know if you had a chance to look um, in detail at the application, but they showed a, an, a drone shot of where they were growing these GE bananas. And I kid you not, there was a plot of bananas. It was surrounded by bare soil, just bare soil everywhere. Now, what when would you ever grow bananas in a vacuum, you know, in, a, in just like bare soil and, and nothing else, no buffer zones, no, like normally when you grow GE crops outdoors, you're required to have buffer zones and buffer plants and hedges and things like that to, you know, uh, to stop the pollen and also just to um, kind of rein it in a little bit. But it was just, um, you know, vast areas of dry soil and nothing else. Also, bananas don't grow well in dry soil. They, they grow well in lush tropical and subtropical lowlands with lots of moisture. Yeah, I remember Ro, um, Hugh Rose telling us that. Yeah, um, I love you. Sorry. So, so, so they can't even get the pictures right, <laughs> you know? Oh, the publicity shots aren't very good. <laughs> no, but they just assume that no one's going to know, right? They just Most people looking at this are not going to have that knowledge, I guess. Well, you've probably been to the islands. I mean, I've only been to Rarotonga, but, I mean, it was wonderful. There were coconuts everywhere, there were bananas everywhere, and they were lush, and they were green, and they were healthy, you know. Um, I, 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 just, I just can't understand that, you know. Now, they, this... Does any of this apply to New Zealand? Because we're talking about, uh, you know, Queensland uh, institution here, the University of Technology there. And I think, uh, you know, the, Australia does grow at scale bananas, don't they? They have a banana oh, yes. yeah, growing a industry. So industry. this is what well, more applicable to Australia. But where do we where do we come in potentially apart from, you know, this, the, the, uh, the distribution everywhere of these uh, horrible um, resistant things, you know? Um, I, I think they're just saying we'd like you to know that, that we could possibly be using these bananas in processed food, dried bananas. You know, you can buy dried bananas on the shelf. You can buy any, any sort of banana flour, banana banana flowers, um, canned banana flowers are something that um, vegan people like to eat because it's got a nice flavour and they're um, quite rich in protein. Um, just, you know, just saying, well, you know, we told you so when – you know, when people buy things and they say, well, no, hang on, this is GE, you know, and, and they'll say, well, well, you know, we put the application through at this time and it was rubber stamped like all other Fizan's applications for GE foods have been. Every single one of them has been rubber stamped. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the box is ticked. Yeah. Um, okay. In terms of, um, you know, modifying them in the first place, bananas, is there a big threat you know, of, um, uh, was it a fusarium or fusarium wilt hitting the banana industry of Australia? Is it like a, 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 a imminent present threat, is it? You see, the thing with pathogens and the thing with insect pests is it's not just the genetic material you've got, it's how you grow them, it's where you grow them, it's, you know, how rich are your soils in organic matter? How rich are your soils in mineral? How um, 
you know, have you got the right pH in your soil? Have you got the right water amount of water? Are you growing with species that interact well? Are you, you know, growing in a, a biodiverse environment where you've got a complete interaction of birds and insects and lots of other species and um, soil that's rich in microbial activity, mycorrhiza, which is the um, fungal root associations, really, really important. You know, all of that, if you have a rich tropical or subtropical lush um, biodiverse community, you will grow healthy bananas, as Hugh um, and his wife Rose, I think it is. No, uh, oh, whatever, I can't remember her name, but he's Hugh, Ro Pauline, that's right, Hugh and Pauline right. Rose have shown yeah. that they don't just have bananas, they have pineapples, they have coffee, they have vivaco, yeah. they have papaya, blah, 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 they have lots and lots of tropical subtropical species. And I mean, I can't think of it, their lifestyle. <laughs> no, and also for, if I remember what, you know, what Hugh was talking about on the economic side of it, you can earn a hell of a lot more out of a hectare of some of those uh, tropical fruit um, yeah. items than you can from dairy farming or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Like mass X times, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you okay. look at the, how big the bunches of bananas are and, you know, and how many, I mean, I think they have run about a thousand banana plants growing, you know. Yeah. And it's something like $10,000 per hectare, yeah. um, which is maybe three or even four times more than dairying can yeah. can deliver. I could be wrong on that, but I do remember that, you know, it could be quite a good earner. So um, so what what happens what happens now with with this? This is in process. They haven't got uh, a license yet for no, this. No, they haven't. Um, there's an application process. The application, I mean, the submission period is open now and I think it closes around the 5th of November um, and you can and, and I encourage people to do this, do a submission um, opposing these GE bananas being let into New Zealand in any shape or form. Yeah. Unfortunately for Zans is kind of an umbrella organisation for Australia and New Zealand so what goes in Australia goes in New Zealand. I, kind of I was thing. wondering about that. Make yeah. ex mm. doesn't tend to make exceptions and, and we don't seem to be able to challenge them because uh, they've got these crazy regulations that, you know, we're not able to challenge their methodology. We're not able to challenge. Why? Why? Uh, Sorry, why? I don't know. They just, that's just what they say. You know, they just bob you off. But how, um, how could you, how could you, how could you say that? The methodology, I'm not talking about of the actual, um, developers of the GE bananas, but the methodology, the way that Fazans goes about assessing um, the risk. Submissions. Yeah, yeah. Assessing the risk and assessing the submissions. You know, and you can Th that should be totally transparent. That has to be totally transparent. Absolutely. But you look at the therapeutic um good that's good I think there were sixteen thousand submissions or something yeah. like that. And there were some really exceptionally good ones because I saw quite a few of them. From heavyweights in the business. From heavyweights who really knew what they were talking about. Nah, nah. Just, just ignore yeah, them. Yeah, people uh, during the, I've heard from the online submissions process, some of the select committee members were like fiddling with their phones. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. didn't even, didn't even want to be there. Okay, I, so, sorry, I, I jumped in there. I just think a lot of people that are actually listening to the submissions are people that don't have a very good understanding of, you know, a comprehensive understanding of what they're trying to... But you think uh, there'd be curiosity? Hello. 
you signed up for the job. Presumably you thought you knew you'd be doing stuff like this. And isn't it isn't it bloody fascinating and interesting anyway? I think they just get their pay packed at the end of the week. Oh, crikey. <laughs> oh. Is it ever going to get better? Jeez. <laughs> Um, how do you see this going then? What is your your sort of experience in this tell you uh, about the likely outcome? Well, we have we have wonderful things called organic banana growers, and the organics um, code of conduct is much much stricter, and so they don't allow for GMO bananas. You know, they don't allow for GMO technology to be part of the production process. So, if you want to be sure in future that you're by non-GMO bananas, A, look for labelling, because at the moment we have to um, label GMO produce. And, I mean, who knows if that law will stay in place, but we desperately hope so. And B, choose organic, because by um, definition, organics don't allow that GM input. So, um, And also, I think... I think that this is a real opportunity for us to become self-sufficient in bananas. I think, you know. Well, why this, wouldn't you? Why, exactly. And this might just be the kickstart we need to, for those maybe. For people to say, well, let's stop dairy and let's go grow bananas. <laughs> yeah, let's go bananas. <laughs> cool bananas. I would. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite happy to go bananas. In fact, um, Hugh sent me some, he sent me a pineapple. I think he sent me a, a bunch of bananas and maybe one or two other things. And they were amazing. They were beautiful. Aren't they amazing? Yeah. Yeah. They're slightly smaller than the Cavendish, but that's that's grown to that size for cosmetic purposes, I, I Absolutely. believe. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, no. the, you know, in terms of the flavor and everything, it was fantastic. Yeah. All right. Have we missed anything, Elvira? Does it sort of cover this for now? I think it does cover this for now. Yeah. Okay. So um, just support the organic banana industry, support the New Zealand banana industry, put in a submission if you can. There's a, I think there's going to be a template form up on the GE free website, which you can sort of reword. Have you put one in yourself? Um, I will do one. I haven't yeah. done one yet. Yeah, you've got a bit of time yet by the sounds yeah, of things. A bit of time up my sleeve, yep. Yeah, it's not like cycleways. You only get about four days to do a <laughs> submission. I'll probably move to that at some point. Okay, well, thanks for coming back on RCR again. Oh, you're welcome. And Elvira Demise, former genetic engineering scientist. I'm sure it won't be the last time that we talk. Thanks. Thank you very much. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.